Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House and happy back to before back to the future day. Okay, now I ruined it. (laughs) But what would we do, baby, without stupid recurring bits? And it's with that spirit, along with a couple of others, that we airlift our dirty laundry back to 1983 for a Scrooge Sunday edition of Family Ties. This is a Keaton Christmas Carol. What would we do, baby? I am just trying to keep my family afloat by selling dirt Mike Westfall. And joining me is the winner of the Best Dressed Ghost of Christmas Future Award. Please welcome back Molly Patton. Hello, Molly. Hello, Mike. Hello, Joey. Yes, and permanently (laughs) raspy voiced thanks to being unable to shake it cold for 30 years. It's Joey O. Hey, Joey. Hey. (laughs) <laughs> That's my great Tina Yothers impression, I guess. Perfect. Sounds it's just like her. <laughs> so I've got to admit, it has been decades since I've actually sat and watched Family Ties. So while I know the basics, there aren't a lot of standout episodes of the show that I truly remember and that have stuck with me. This is one of the few just because how weird it is. And probably helped in part to the Scrooge story. But first, let me hear your stories with family ties in general. And we'll start with Joey. It's one of those shows that, you know, in the 80s, you watched whatever sitcoms are on. So I know I watched family ties, but it wasn't, you know, must see TV as other NBC shows were later. But I know I watched it. Um I know I wouldn't have gotten like the basic premise of like hippies raise a Reagan Republican kid. (laughs) That would not have made any sense to me when I was seven years old, but I know I watched it like casually and I realized, you know, it's two real legacies are and sit, ubu sit like (laughs) that. Everyone knows more than anything else. Yeah, that might be the two bookends of the show. Well, Molly, what about you? Um, Okay, so yeah, I know that I watched Family Ties when I was a kid because I have this weird memory of watching Back to the Future for the first time. And when Michael J. Fox um, or Marty takes down his sunglasses after blowing up the amplifier, I remember being like, oh, that guy. So (laughs) I know that I had seen Family Ties because that would have been my only um, exposure to him. But I do remember this episode, oddly enough, from my childhood. Like you said, it, it maybe because it was so strange. I remember like Come Hither and some of the other <laughs> things from this episode. But I didn't watch it all that often until I was in college and became like a big fan of Michael J. Fox. And I was watching all, you know, anything I could find. And by then it was like 2001, 2002, and Family Ties only aired at 2.30 in the morning, so I would have to take yeah. it and watch it. But I saw a lot of episodes as an adult, but this episode I had not seen since I was a kid. Okay. My story sounds a lot like yours. I definitely watched this before Back to the Future, 
Before I ever met Marty McFly, I knew that, as LFO later told us, Michael J. Fox was Alex P. Keaton. <laughs> but again, my memory of it is hazy because I didn't rewatch it a ton like I did with Back to the Future. I certainly didn't understand any of the political humor at the time. So it's just filed away as, oh, yeah, that happened during my lifetime. Uh, I'm always happy to recognize Michael Gross whenever I see him in something. I remember seeing him a few years back in that Disney Plus movie, Noel. He's still doing Tremors movies. So a Keaton Christmas Carol aired on Wednesday, December 14th, 1983 on NBC. But it was a Paramount television show, so it's on Paramount Plus now. It's the second of three Christmas episodes of Family Ties. The first was simply called A Christmas Story, but not that Christmas story, uh, in which Elise gives Stephen a photo album and they flash back to the births of each of their children. The last was a 1987 episode called Miracle in Columbus, in which Alex works as a mall Santa and gets shook when a girl asks him to bring her father home. But I wanted to watch the most bonkers of the three, and so here we are. Opening on a mostly dark living room on Christmas Eve, his mom announces it's time for the lighting of the Christmas tree. And now, direct from the Keaton household, the moment you've all been waiting for, the lighting of the Christmas tree! Woo! Oh, it's beautiful! And I feel like I don't announce things like that in my own house enough. I ought to do that more. Did your parents ever do that with mundane family traditions like, and now the moment you've all been waiting for? Not so much. <laughs> no, I think that's a TV show trope that doesn't happen in real life. Okay, it does seem like mostly a TV thing. Like the following breakfast is set for one course. I feel like that happens a lot in a Garfield Christmas, right? <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. They do that a lot. It's time for Dad to read Binky the Clown Who Saved Christmas. Like, and there's piano. See, the piano helps. But the lights go on and we get a better view of a pretty impressive tree, I must say. It's at least eight feet tall and fits perfectly next to the staircase. Steven jokes he knew it was the perfect tree the moment he backed into it with the car. I like Jennifer's joke there. We get more things that way. <laughs> yes. Next, we see Alex arrive in from the snow. They can put a man on the moon, but they can't stop this white slob from falling out of the sky. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you, too, Alex. <laughs> Take it easy with the Merry Christmases, will you, Ma? And the first clue that the 1980s were a different time, young Republican Alex P. Keaton is sick and tired of hearing Merry Christmas. <laughs> Whatever he was out getting, it was supposed to include cough syrup for his sister Jennifer, who's battling a cold. Hey, remember when you could have cold systems and not fear for your life? Yes. <laughs> she seems okay with not getting that medicine that night. Like, she'll be fine overnight. <laughs> Good times. It also wasn't last-minute presents because Alex has the nerve to suggest to his whole family that they don't exchange gifts this year. You know, Alex, just because you're an old Scrooge, why do the rest of us have to suffer? Because we're family, Jennifer. We do things together. Well, Dad breaks up their arguing with the announcement that it's time to take the traditional Keaton Christmas photo, which involves the entire family making a silly pose next to the tree. My family never really did this. Did yours? 
Um, my parents would pose as kids in front of the tree, but we only have like one of all of us. And that was only because like somebody else came over that day. We didn't have a timer on our camera. So that's probably why. Yeah, we, I mean, we have Christmas photos together, but it wasn't like a pose thing with the tree involved. Like actually, uh, when I, I know there's pictures, like once I got together with my wife, there's like pictures of us all in front of the tree together, but it wasn't like a traditional like this or like posing. I'm putting up this ornament. Right. It's just if you happen to have all three of them within a camera frame, then I'll take a picture of my kids. And I guess my parents were the same way. If they happen to get a picture of all of us within a few feet of each other, then great. That's our Christmas picture for the year. <laughs> was was Alex always this Scroogey or is this like a very exaggerated version of like, again, 80s Reagan Republican caricature? So it was, yeah for this episode. I think it's a little of both. I mean, he was, he, he was always that ornery young Republican and that was the joke, but he was extra cranky. Yeah. They turned it up to 11 for this one. Yeah. I did watch most of season two and this one, he sort of just got cranky out of nowhere. He does get so a little bit later in the season two, but this seemed to be like, okay, Alex, sure. (laughs) But for the Keatons, it was an already established tradition on the show to take this photo. The, the first season's Christmas episode included a family photo when Stephen got a new camera that year. And this year, it's something Alex wants no part of as he marches up to his room for the night. And everyone turns and looks at him right as the camera timer goes off. Hey, kids, we didn't get a lot of do-overs with film reels. and You had to wait at least an hour to see whether or not you accidentally blinked. Children of today will never know. No. Someone at work the other day had a disposable camera that looked like it was from the 90s. You could still buy those at places like Walgreens, apparently. And they bought them for an event at work. And the photos came out just like you would expect them to from a disposable camera. Like, here's a handful of pictures from February 2022 that looked like it might as well have been 1997. It was pretty (laughs) nice. As, what did any of them like slowly disappear though? Like, like did you disappear from the photo? <laughs> no, I wasn't in any of them. I knew better. <laughs> we just got to fit in as many of the jokes as we can. Uh, yes. <laughs> this episode is better in hindsight. Mm. Like most of my notes for this are, Hey, that happened in a movie. <laughs> well, we cut to Alex's room at what the clock on his nightstand tells us is midnight, but there are carolers outside. So I don't think it was supposed to be that late. I think they just forgot to change the clock back between takes, but they panned out from it. So it looked like it was intentional. Maybe it just hadn't been changed for like months. He just never got around changing his clock. (laughs) Forgot to wind his watch. Wait, wrong movie. Uh, But if it was actually midnight, then I might sympathize a little with Alex when he yells out the window, telling the carolers, Hey! the lawn before I call the cops and take the rest of those clowns with you. Oh, sorry, Reverend. Greetings. God bless you, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that kid, that kid sounded like he was on a stage. It sounded really funny. Did not sound like he was outside. (laughs) No, (laughs) just off the stage. And just in case you didn't catch on that Alex is our Scrooge figure. Surprise. It's not the hippie parents. 
So he goes to bed, and almost immediately after he turns out the light, a wisp of fog whooshes into the room from the window, and we meet the ghost of Christmas past, who looks a lot like his sister Jennifer wearing a bright red robe and a bad transparency filter. Jennifer, what are you doing here? I am not Jennifer. I am the ghost of Christmas past. Yeah, and I'm Ed McMahon. (laughs) 1982 chroma key, everybody. I felt this was bad even for 1982. (laughs) Yeah, it looked like they picked the wrong color screen. Like it almost looked like she had an orange outline, which is weird. So it was very low budget, it seemed like. Doing the best with what we can. (laughs) While she's here, do either of you have any other favorite roles of Teeny Others? Have I ever seen Teeny (laughs) Others in anything else? Yeah. Let's find out. The only thing I have is as herself for a while, I watched her on Celebrity Fit Club. Oh, yeah. All of her. That's right. I feel like she was I I don't want to say a punchline, but I feel like that's a name that they would drop like like on Animaniacs, like like as a like, guess who it is? Tina Yothers, like a random celebrity. Yeah, that seems like I feel like she might have showed up on South Park once. Yeah. In in one of the early seasons. But but she was on Celebrity Fit Club twice. She came back as part of a second chancers team with Dustin Diamond, who went full heel on that show. Mm. But I remember she also played Tanya Harding in a Comedy Central short in 1994, the same year that happened. Hmm. Oh. So, yeah, Tina Yothers is Jennifer is playing the ghost of Christmas past as ominously as a 10 year old can. And commands Alex to come hither. And when he doesn't, she sort of force choke drags Alex over to her. <laughs> like Darth Vader from the planet yeah. Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even make that connection. Well done. And out they go through the bedroom wall because where they're going, they don't need walls. <laughs> is that is that when he goes, look out for that wall? Whoa! Yes. Because that cracked me up, actually. Hey, look out for the wall. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) This is the sound he made. Whoa. (laughs) And they have that weird, whatever keyboard effect they're doing. It sounds like the transition from Paper Mario. So it's like video game music. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I didn't make that connection either. You're right. And down to the living room as it was 10 years into the past. We know it's the past because the furniture is different. And also because Alex's mom, Elise, enters holding baby Jennifer in her arms and singing Jingle Bells. Hey, that's mom. Hey, hey, mom. Mom, over here. It's me, Alex. She can't hear you, Alex. And I don't know about y'all, but Meredith Baxter is the MVP of this episode for me. Um, I actually think uh, Tina Yothers is probably my favorite in this one. Mm-hmm. That, that's a good argument. Especially in the future scene coming up. Yes, your future occupation. See, that's my argument for Meredith Baxter. Her best works, both of their best work comes later as opposed to this scene. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to bring it up. But now out comes even younger Republican Alex P. Keaton, complete with trademark vest and necktie. Finished balancing your checkbook, Mom. Oh, thank you, Alex. I started on your tax returns, but I can't do much until you get your W-2s. So this kid actor, I'm like, wait, 
No, he's not Benji Gregory. He just sounds and talks like him because all 80s boy actor children on sitcoms. That was a terrible sentence. Uh, they all talk exactly the same. They sound the same. They have the same phrasing. They, they have the same cadence. They're all interchangeable. Yes. Well, did you recognize him? No. Uh, his name is Chris Hebert, best known to me from the Disney TV movie Fuzz Bucket. I don't know that one. Oh, I think uh, this was one of those magical world of Disney things that they would show. I think it was ABC. Movie Fuzz Bucket where he meets this imaginary friend from another world and he was all like the tiny little Harry and the Hendersons looking creature. Oh, I'm looking at it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Please no. Oh, I had this taped. For some reason, I liked it. Maybe because the kid's name was Mikey. I don't know. <laughs> but he was also the little brother in The Last Starfighter. He's no longer acting. He went on to teach high school. But also here is a younger Mallory played by Kalina Kiff, who's mostly a producer now. But I noticed an old voice role she did. She was younger sister Daisy Darrett in the cartoon Pole Position. Ooh, pole position. Sit back and watch them go. Yes. Why do I know that off the top of my head? Because I'm me. It was one of those theme songs. <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, written by the same person who did the theme song to like Mask and all of those really, really good ones. But young Alex gets up to turn on the TV so he can get the joke of him shouting at it. Ten years before 1983, so we're in the middle of Watergate. This is a witch hunt. They're persecuting an innocent man. Look at that. Is that the face of a crook? More things change. Yeah, that (laughs) aged so well. (laughs) But Elise quickly tells him to turn off the TV because they're expecting a visitor from the North Pole. I said we're going to have a very special visitor from the North Pole. Finally down the stairs comes Santa and the kids instantly recognize their dad in disguise behind the fake beard Michael Gross is wearing over his real beard because in previous flashbacks, Stephen was clean shaven. But Santa dad's got a bag of presents for the kids. Mallory gets a toy phone. But young Alex wants his parents to open their gifts from him first, saying that's where the real joy is. But before that, he wants to take a picture. And it's here we discover the whole yearly family Christmas photo in the same poses was his idea to begin with. And he's since forgotten it. And I tried to think of something I do all the time that I forgot and later remembered was my own idea to begin with. But I couldn't come up with anything. Is that a joke? Or I haven't remembered yet. It wasn't a joke. (laughs) But does either of you have an experience like that? No, not that I can think of. <laughs> it's like a setup for a joke too. Um, probably every time I get a Facebook memory and just see like something that I said and I just don't remember ever saying that before or thinking that. And I'm just like, who was this person back then? So I think uh, it's totally um, believable that Alex would not remember that he yeah. said it. Now that you mentioned that, I have been kind of going every morning through my Facebook memories and deciding I don't need to see that every year anymore. That's going to get deleted. In 200 years, this is going to be the only record of us. And I don't want to spend most of it like shouting at people over stupid things. A lot of my old Facebook memories are asking people not to spoil Lost for me. (laughs) Like more than I realized. Like I'm not going to be home tonight. Very important. 
So the family takes their first annual Keaton Christmas photo, followed by an impromptu singing of the first Noel, with Dad singing a lovely harmony. The first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay. Yeah, I noted they sound really good here, and I don't recall, well, I know there's other episodes where they sing, but not like together like this. And I was like, wow, they really, they really have nice voices. Yeah, they rehearsed this. Well, I mean, think of how great, you know, Marty sounded in 1955, that <laughs> voice that came out of Michael J. Fox. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, right. And that's the ghost's cue to cut Alex's trip to the past short because there are regulations. I like her line. You can't go home again. Well, here we are home again (laughs) and ask him if he's learned anything. And Alex admits he may have gone a little overboard earlier in the evening and perhaps he's lost his youthful zest for Christmas, which is the only time anyone has ever said or thought the phrase youthful zest for Christmas. (laughs) Sounds like a terrible uh, gift of a bar of soap. (laughs) Take no friend of the show, Wayne, from the Christmas Alphabet podcast. There's a potential series finale for you. Well, the ghost of Christmas past says her shift is over and arriving to take her place in an even bigger puff of smoke is the ghost of Christmas future. So we're skipping present altogether. It's a 22 minute show. Deal with it. Yeah, and we kind of saw it at the beginning. So they sort of just did them out of order, I guess. Although I was thinking if they had done a Christmas present as it is done in the original Christmas Carol. Like, how would they have done that? Would he, would Skippy have been, like, uh, abused by Alex and then he sees him sad in his home or something? I don't know. But I like yeah. the way they just skipped, skipped it. <laughs> uh, and this Christmas future takes the form of Mallory, played by Justine Bateman in her earliest credited role. Arise, Alex, and come. I know. I'm hither. I'm hither. <laughs> I am the ghost of Christmas future. Uh, look, can we do this later? I-, I just got in from Christmas past, and I'm a little tired. What have y'all seen her in anything else? I looked at her Wikipedia, and the only other thing I'm, I'm sure I saw her in must have been four episodes of Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. I think I watched every episode of that. That was Same. mine. <laughs> I remember it was a big deal when she came on that show, because apparently she hadn't done a lot before that. And then suddenly she did that. And then she got a sitcom and it was like a revival of her career <laughs> for a while. Yay. Yeah, no, she was she was Lady Zara in Lois and Clark, a fellow mm-hmm. survivor of Krypton who was apparently betrothed and according to supposed Kryptonian tradition, legally married to Kal-El when the two <laughs> were babies. Not my favorite storyline. <laughs> I think shoestring seagull came up. No, yeah, I can't imagine why that didn't uh, show up anywhere else. And I remember her inevitable cameo in Arrested Development alongside her younger brother Jason. Yeah. Uh, And now she plays the first female ghost of Christmas yet to come we've encountered on the podcast. And she won't be the last. But she's possibly the best dressed. She's wearing this black gown that reminds me of Morticia Adams. Great outfit. And her hair is permed or curled or something, which is interesting because in a minute you'll see her in curlers. And I was like, did they just film those out of order? (laughs) That's there you go. Yeah. So as she as Alex walk through this bedroom wall, we cut to commercial. We will return after these messages. 
was the night before Christmas, and all through the ship, not a sensor was flashing, not even a blip. The small units were nestled, all snug in their beds, while visions of Atari games zoomed through their heads. When all of a sudden there was a huge blast, we were being invaded, I had to act fast. I ran to the bridge to assume the command, and there found Faith Nicholas with joystick in hand. The sounds I had thought were an alien mission were really just Santa playing pole position. Then with Miss Pac-Man, he gobbled and scored. He plugged in Jungle Hunt and played till he roared. With a smile on his face and a twinkle in his eye, he blasted the centipede out of the sky. Then from his sack, he pulled dozens of games, all the great ones from Atari, our favorite names. Before I could thank him, he was again on his way. He beamed himself out right into his sleigh. But I heard him exclaim as he flew out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night. Now, back to the program. And when we return, here's where the fun really starts. The Mallory-esque Ghost of Christmas Future tells us it's 30 years into the future, because of course it is. For us recording this, that makes it nine years in the past. We're looking at Christmas 2013. (laughs) I don't remember it looking like that, but they arrive in a very different, much shabbier looking Keaton family living room. And the set work done to transform this place is fantastic. The curtains are uh, especially (laughs) shabby. The curtains are great. The most notable addition, I think, is a clothesline of old laundry running across the middle of the living room. (laughs) In place of a coffee table, there's an old rusty chest. Half the couch appears to be missing or broken. Clothes hanging from the stair railing. Uh, Reminded me of the (sighs) orphanage from Annie. Like specifically the movie, which I think came out the year before this. So maybe inspired it a little, but well done. This scene alone is worth watching this episode. So our ghost hostess informs us the Keaton family falls upon hard times in the future, all except Alex, who's now a very wealthy man living in New York. And the first future Keaton we meet is Elise, much older looking, dressing, and sounding as she again sings Jingle Bells cheerfully as ever. And this is where Meredith Baxter really shines for me, just because she plays older Elise so over the top, she keeps running face first into that clothesline. Yes. <laughs> kind of flops every time she does, but she isn't phased once. It's spectacular acting, and she's clearly having so much fun with it. She proudly brings in a tiny, almost bare Charlie Brown tree. And this might be a contender for the shabbiest Christmas tree (laughs) yet on the show. I'm not sure it beats the one from that X-Men episode in the sewer with the broken ornament. I think that still wins, but this is a close second. So you're saying the future Keatons live like the Morlocks. Yes. (laughs) Well, pretty close. They get daylight. But they don't have storm, so. As their leader. Yeah, well, hair's kind of white. Apparently, it's the most beautiful tree the family's had in years, according to Stephen, who enters from upstairs, equally as old and ragged, but also with the same amount of joy about him. Something about this older Stephen made me have to look up whether Michael Gross had ever played Santa Claus in anything, and he has. In a 2015 Lifetime original movie called Becoming Santa... 
also starring Meredith Baxter as Mrs. Claus. What? It's one of those. Oh, have I not seen this? I want to watch this now. It's about a woman who hasn't told her boyfriend her dad is Santa. And if they get married, her boyfriend would then become the new Santa. All while trying to avoid marrying her ex-boyfriend, Jack Frost. (laughs) So it sounds like a combination between Meet the Parents and all three Santa Claus movies. Yes. Becoming Santa. As a rule, I don't really cover Lifetime or Hallmark movies, but I will happily guest on some other podcast who wants to talk about that. Um, I had a thought about Steven, who he kind of reminded me of here. Well... I thought about it for a while and then I looked it up and he's almost a dead ringer for Mr. Dawes Sr., the old man from Mary Poppins. Oh, you're right. That's it. Wow. I don't know if that was intentional, but he's got the cane. He's got the scarf. He's got the gray hair. And it's like in kind of the same pattern, too. Wow. As soon as that escaped your mouth and I was like, oh, that's it. Well done. We also meet future Mallory, thanks to some camera trickery. Look, everyone, split-screen shenanigans involving Michael J. Fox and his co-stars. His sister, even. (laughs) It is not played by him. Yay. Yes. Not this time. But yes, here, future Mallory is in curlers and with child. Though as ghost of Christmas future Mallory informs us, her husband is in debtor's prison, courtesy of Alex himself. Where did we hear about debtor's prison recently, Mike? Shades of Ebbifnezer Scrooge from the Back to the Future animated series. Yep, I wrote that down. (laughs) And we also meet future Jennifer, who's had to resort to selling dirt to help keep the family locked. (laughs) I know in 2013, I was all about buying dirt. I love future. Oh, her um, ghostly Mallory's delivery is so funny. She sells dirt. It's just so like. <laughs> Park your wheelbarrow outside, honey. Wheelbarrow? She sells dirt. <laughs> she sells dirt. Yep. <laughs> and on top of that, she's got a raspy voice on account of having a cold for the last 30 years because somebody forgot to get cough syrup. Come in and see our tree, Jennifer. Where is it? Right here. Oh, wow. Remember that plot point? I sure forgot. I got that joke right away. Apparently the last bottle of cough syrup in the world was sold on Christmas Eve, 1983. (laughs) Flaming Moe's bought it all up and is thriving in 2013, which was the year Universal Studios Florida added its Springfield area. (laughs) Coincidence? I think so. (laughs) Mm. Well, of course, Alex really starts to feel guilty now, especially as Jennifer asks to decorate the tree. And Stephen pulls out this tiny coin purse, which holds their last piece of tinsel, which Alex sold to them at cost. And speaking of Alex, his future counterpart is heard arriving outside via helicopter right on top of the family wheelbarrow. Their only mode of transportation, isn't that what they say? <laughs> yes. They've said that a few times, yes. Yes, Jennifer's grief when that happens, it cracks me up. Oh! Ah! Ah! He crushed the wheelbarrow, ah! Ah! our only means of transportation. <laughs> 
And in walks Alex with the most ridiculous bald cap with a Ben Franklin mullet around the side. (laughs) He's got a three-piece suit with a pocket watch and a very familiar-sounding grovelly old man (laughs) voice. Have you come to spend Christmas with us? Spend Christmas here. (laughs) Well, that's funny, right? <laughs> you know, like, there's no other way to say it. He's alternate Biff. Hello, hello, hello. Alternate Biff eighty-five. He is. Well, and it's it, it is the same voice that he uses later as forty-seven-year-old Marty as well. So it's kind of a balance between the two. He opens the door, and I'm waiting for like the robot door to say, "Welcome home, Marty." I definitely caught that he. Uh, you reused that voice in Back to the Future too, but thank goodness they did not reuse the outfit or the bald cap. No, no, they much better makeup in that movie. And he's carrying a large bag that Mallory and Jennifer think are presents for them, but nope, it's laundry. Asks his dad how he's getting along after he fired him. This whole scene is just one liner after one liner of look at how miserly future Alex has become. Quickly asks Mallory what she's going to name her kid. And of course, she's chosen Alex like her other four. Like George Foreman. (laughs) Though he only named his sons George. Alex could go either way. Uh, And that about wraps up his visit. It doesn't sound like a lot, but between the scenery and everyone's over the top acting, it is the star on top of this Christmas tree of an episode. Alex says he doesn't feel comfortable here. He's ashamed of all of them. And off he goes, while the spectral Alex from 1983 shouts at his future self that he can't just leave his family like this, but as the ghost of Christmas future reminds him, you can't hear you. This is a rare instance of a Scrooge figure getting to see his future self. And I'm wondering if we should see more of that. Usually he's already in in a lonely grave. Right. I think it works better there. Yeah, but... In this particular episode, I think this is the only way to sort of hit the point home that you're being super scroogey. We've seen him yell at his past self in vain before, but not often do you get to see a future Scrooge. So interesting twist, but it works here. And back in Alex's room, he asks the ghost the familiar question. Tell me, Mallory, I got to know, does that future have to be? Can I change it? I don't want to be bald. And the ghost tells him the future's the only thing you can change. So make it a good one. It hasn't been written yet. (laughs) (laughs) Again, this works so much better in hindsight. I don't know. Better in reruns. No, she adds, be good to your family, share your fortune with others, and most importantly, massage your scalp every night. Uh, And then the ghost disappears in another, even larger cloud of smoke. It's not quite as sudden as most Christmas carols, but for this episode, it works fine. We then cut very quickly to Christmas morning, and Elise again singing Jingle Bells, this time accompanied again by Stephen on harmony. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Can't we Maybe just a couple. More dads singing harmony in TV shows, please. And in real life, let's do it, dads of the world. 
the girls are getting impatient and want to start opening their gifts, especially Mallory, who does a callback to her. Please, please, please. That her younger self was doing. I enjoyed that callback. Uh, But mom insists they have to wait for Alex to return from somewhere. Have either of you ever tried to go out shopping on Christmas Day? Oh, I had relatives who went out on Christmas Eve a few times, though. I think that was the thing they did, but nope. Yeah, I remember trying to maybe shop Christmas Eve and the stuff's already closed. So Christmas Day, I would never have tried it. Still now, no. I feel like there have been Christmases where someone forgot to buy batteries. I did try to go out one year for something very specific on Christmas Day in the year 2000. That year, I got a video game called The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. (laughs) But this game was so advanced at the time, it required this expansion pack that you had to put in your Nintendo 64. And I forgot to mention that when I asked for it. So I'm 20 years old with nothing else to do after breakfast on Christmas morning. So sure, I drive around to see if any place is open and I find an open for business Hollywood video. Kids, before you could rent a movie or a video game on your little streaming box, you had to go to a store and rent a physical tape of it. So Hollywood Video had a whole game section and they had the expansion pack I needed. And I go in there and it's completely empty, of course, besides me and a lonely and definitely not sober guy behind the counter. (laughs) Who was very kind and showed no annoyance at all to being working on Christmas. Uh, Sometimes you have to work on Christmas. Sometimes. So Alex went out shopping on Christmas morning and was apparently successful in finding something because he returns wearing a Santa hat and beard and carrying a sack full of actual presents this time. No laundry. But because he put off his shopping till Christmas Day, the only place open was a 7-Eleven the place where he learned how to shoot. (laughs) I feel like all of my earliest 7-Eleven exposures were thanks to Michael J. Fox. We did never go there, but uh, after seeing this episode, I knew that it was a magical place because you could find all this cool stuff on a day when other stores weren't open. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He gives dad a cup of coffee. (sighs) I was just swimming around in that bag. (laughs) Didn't spill at all. Yeah. Mom gets a TV guide, hopefully with a card inside to send in for a subscription that Alex will agree to pay for. Mallory gets beef jerky, which my wife requests as a stocking stuffer every year. So that one's genuinely good. Uh, And for Jennifer, who did not die. (laughs) A six pack of cough syrup that if it hadn't been in plastic water bottles would look like it was from the 1880s. Did you see those? No. They do look like root beer or something. <laughs> he also found a laundromat open on Christmas. So he had all their clothes cleaned and pressed. And Mallory finds one more thing in the bag. A bottle of bald no more hair tonic. Which is exactly what a hair tonic would call itself ever. Is he supposed to use that for prevention and not? <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't do anything if you're not bald yet. <laughs> That's just in case. That won't expire in 30 years. It'll be fine. 
And to top off all that, Alex opens the door and has the choir of carolers from last night sing to them. Hit it, Reverend. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. They've been waiting outside just off the lawn this whole time. So naturally, everyone's confused about Alex's change of heart. And here comes the I've learned something about myself speech. I'm happy. Can a guy be happy at Christmas? I mean, look, look at this house. There's no laundry hanging across the room. We have a tree with real needles. Jennifer's clean. Mallory's not pregnant. What? I said Mallory's not president. But hey, in this country, she could be. Hey, I'm down. Vote for Mallory. But he wraps up by saying he just wanted his family to know that they're the most important people in the world to him, even if he doesn't always show it. And we finally end with a group hug and a group photo. We get the family picture. Uh, And that's it. That was a short ride, but a wild one. 22 minute sitcom, three camera sitcom from the 80s. (laughs) Any final thoughts on a Keaton Christmas Carol? I have two notes about family ties here that we didn't get to. Okay, sure. One, this fact blew my mind. Uh, Meredith, Meredith Baxter and Michael Gross are the same age. They have the same birthday. Oh, wow. But they were born in 1947. So do the math on this episode. They're 36. Yeah. Do they look 36? Is it weird to feel that like the Keaton parents were younger than us? <laughs> that show? It does now. Yeah. Like you're right now, especially because my kids are Younger, like my oldest is only a year older than Jennifer was in this episode. So, yeah, it's a little weird. And he also had that very gray beard like the whole time that made him. The character is supposed to be five or six years older, it says. Right. Also, part of it was, I mean, obviously, you know, Michael J. Fox was older than Alex that he was playing. He was only 14 years younger than them. Oh, wow. Yeah. Hence the. uh, Acting. Acting's weird. Oh, a couple years, whatever year it was, years ago, I saw Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd and uh, Leah Thompson all together at Wizard World. They did a Q&A together and somebody asked him about family ties and talked about family ties. And it was like a magic trick. I mean, we know, you know, how Michael J. Fox, you know, talks nowadays with, with Parkinson's and all, but he just slipped into Alex like nothing like he was he brought up something like oh yeah there's a scene where where i asked mallory to hand me a, a glass of orange juice and just he just did this delivery and I, it was just perfect wow i don't know how he did it but he just transformed into alex p heaton for like two sentences and it was just i just forget <laughs> that oh hmm. molly final thoughts well, I think it's just interesting. It's funny that this is that one episode that I remember um, looking back at it um, in the last few weeks. My first impression was that it was pretty cheesy and the special effects were pretty, eh, but it does have a lot of heart. And I think while it may not be a yearly one that I watch, I think I may, you know, I will revisit this one. I definitely think that it's cute and. I'm glad that I got to see it again. It's um, yeah. 
I'm happy. I expected some of my notes for this to be, oh, hey, Michael J. Fox was also in movies. But I was surprised at how much of my notes were appropriate here. Uh, This episode is actually better in hindsight after watching Back to the Future. It's amazing. It had been decades since I had watched it when I was a kid. And I'm kind of in the same boat as you are, Molly. It's not one that I'm going to watch every year, but I will definitely revisit it. Show it to the kids when they're a little older and can appreciate it more. Again, this episode and all of Family Ties is available on Paramount+. Plus. You're home for a lot of Star Trek and not much else. <laughs> right. Not really. <laughs> I keyed. Uh, or Amazon Prime Video, if you have that. Give it a watch if you can. It's very silly. Not a memorable Christmas Carol adaptation out of all of them, but definitely worth checking out once or twice. But thank you both for spiriting through this with me. Anytime. Yes. In the past or the future. <laughs> ah. And if people want to drop off their laundry in the future via helicopter, where can they find you on the Internet, Molly? They can find me and my blog and my books and everything else on mollypatton.com. And Joey. You can hear me on the Internet radio at whynotradio.net and tweet at me with more Back to Future references at I'm going to DJ 24. Thank you both again. And as usual, you can find links to those places in the show notes. If they're not wherever you're listening to this, you can find them at adventcalendar.house. And you can say hello on Twitter at adventcalhouse. The countdown to Christmas in July continues in a couple of days. Until then, for Molly Patton and Joey O, live from under the clothesline in the middle of my future living room, This is Mike Westfall saying, sit, Ubu, sit. Don't slip in the icy patch, Ubu. Good dog. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. And now, these messages. The Christmas Alphabet Podcast is all about Christmas in alphabetical order. I'm Wayne, your host, and I bring you a new episode every two weeks throughout the year. Each time we look at Christmas history, food, music and fun facts, starting with just one letter of the alphabet. Join me as we follow the alphabet all through the year, all about Christmas. Subscribe and join us at the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. Next time on the Advent Calendar House... Think of it as an early Christmas present. Christmas? Christmas!